Hi, I'm Casey Sigler, and this is the Scatterbook Podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I want to chat today about what it means to be a creative. I recently heard Andrew Peterson on a podcast talking about his wife. If you don't know who Andrew Peterson is, well, you need to stop and look him up right now. He is a singer-songwriter and also an author, and his work has meant a lot to me and my husband over the years. He is a Christian, and um, he has written so many meaningful songs over the years, and um, he has some beautiful albums and, and, and shows, um, and he also has written a series of young adult fiction that your whole family will enjoy. But he was talking about his wife in this interview, and he said that he had really grown to not like the term creative, as in, I'm a creative, like a big, a capital C creative. He, he doesn't like that term because it seems to draw a line between those who we would define as creative, because that's how they make their money, and the rest of us. And I really resonated with what he was saying. My husband is also a musician, a worship leader, an artist, a graphic designer, and his brain is just a creative brain. He's always thinking about the next thing to make or to write or to design or um, to, to sing or the next performance that he would love to, to write. He's just a creative guy. And I have never defined myself as a creative, like he's a creative. I mean, our our brains work so differently. He, even in, in just stereotypical terms, he just tends to be a little bit more relaxed about things and a little bit messier, and I am just far more type A, and, um, and I've just never thought of myself as a capital C creative. But I really liked what Andrew Peterson said, and it got my brain thinking, Honestly, when I started uh, putting out episodes, I had a couple of really dear friends in my life who confessed to me that, of course, they were going to listen to the Scatterbook podcast because I'm a good friend, but they were a little concerned that they wouldn't be that interested because they do not consider themselves interested in the arts at all. And I so appreciated their honesty. But then when I started thinking about it, some of these women were some of the most creative women that I know. I just don't think they see that in themselves. And, and the more that I, I talk to people or I think about what it really means to, to be creative or to, um, to appreciate creativity in our world, the more I started to see creativity in myself. And I thought, I just want to sit down with a list of ways that we are creative in our everyday lives and encourage you that you are, in fact, an extremely creative person, whether or not you would ever define yourself as a capital C, this is what I do for my career, This is how my brain works constantly. If you'd never define yourself as that type of creative, that's okay, because you still have an extremely creative nature. And I bet you some large amount of money that I probably don't have, that in this list, you're going to see yourself. In one of these areas, you're going to go, oh, that's me. That's how I'm creative, and I don't even realize it. Part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is because I really do feel like there's a lot of value in opening ourselves up to, um, to the arts, to, um, to creativity in our everyday lives, and to, to see the beauty that's around us, to appreciate it, to take it all in. 
And I believe that there's something really valuable about just appreciating beautiful things, even if we can't always produce them ourselves. But I also think that we really do produce a lot of beauty in our everyday lives. So I want you to just sit back and do what you're doing. Fold your laundry, go on a bicycle, a bike ride or, or a jog or, or make out your grocery list. But in the back of your mind, I want you to take in the idea that you, yes, you, are very creative. I've been reading, rereading, I should say, this book called The Hidden Art of Homemaking by Edith Schaefer. I read this in high school, <laughs> which is just so apropos for a, a, a girl, high school, homeschool student in the 90s. So I read this book called The Hidden Art of Homemaking. It's by Edith Schaefer. Um, her husband was Francis Schaefer. They founded this beautiful ministry um, called La Brie. And um, you should really do some research about it if you're not familiar with their work. But she wrote this beautiful book. And I really honestly could just read it out loud on my podcast. And all of you would get something out of it because um, it's just that good. It's very simple. But she just um, she just helps you think about the ways that um, you can either discover your hidden art the thing that you've always kind of been passionate about but didn't even know you were passionate about, um, or how you can um, nurture those passions within yourself in your everyday life. So she is not talking to professional artists in this book at all, which I love. She's just talking about those of us who do the work. We go to the office. We stay home with our kids all day. We go to the schoolhouse and teach fifth graders um, from dawn to late afternoon, those people who feel like maybe their lives are a little mundane and they don't have any opportunities to be creative, she is reading, writing this book to us, and it's just beautiful. She says this in the first chapter, and I just wanted to share it with you. All art involves conscious discipline. If one is going to paint, do sculpture, design a building, or write a book, it will involve discipline in time and energy, or there would never be any production at all to be seen, felt or enjoyed by ourselves or others. To develop hidden art will also, of course, take time and energy, and the balance of the use of time is a constant individual problem for all of us. What to do and what to leave undone. One is always having to neglect one thing in order to give precedence to something else. The question is one of priorities. Oh, that hits me square between the eyes, what to do and what to leave undone. Do we clean out the closet or do we pull out the acrylics and spend the afternoon at the dining room table? <laughs> do we um, balance the checkbook or do we make a cake? <laughs> now, for a lot of us, it's going to be easy to go towards the fun thing, right? But as you become an adult and you have responsibilities, even those things that you're really passionate about, you have this, I don't know, I do, I have this committee in my head telling me, no, you really need to do X, Y, and Z. That's the most important thing. In fact, it's not always the most important thing. Well, of course you have to check on your bank accounts. And of course you at some point need to reorganize that closet for the better of your whole life. But maybe, just maybe, there are times we need to flip those priorities on their head 
and that's the right thing to do. It's not just the most fun thing to do. It's actually the right thing to do because we're made in the image of God and he's a creative God. So here are some ways in your everyday life you have either already been creative today or you can do so really easily. The first one, and I'm stealing some of these definitely from Edith Schaefer's book. You should buy it right now. You can find it on thrift books for probably five bucks. Secondhand, which is my favorite way to buy books. Interior design. Look around where you are, your home. You may either feel very proud of the way you've decorated your space, or you may be one of those people that just kind of calls yourself like not a great decorator. I'm just not a great decorator. Or, or you might use this phrase, I'm, not, I'm just not a great housekeeper. It's just not me. I'm not really great. So first off, I beg to differ. Um, you may have put great thought and expense into your home, or just thought. It certainly doesn't have to be expense, right? Thought, investment of thought into your home. And um, that might be something that you're just really passionate about. And that's wonderful. That's a way that you've been creative, and you're benefiting from that creativity every day of the week. But even if you don't consider yourself great at interior design, I know that you've put some creativity into your home because you've put something comfortable in there. I bet there's a blanket that means something to you. Um, that might be beautiful, it might not be beautiful, but it offers you comfort or someone who comes and visits you comfort. I bet that you've thought about how you've hung something on your wall, even if it's not something amazing. Maybe it's something you picked up from a thrift store or Walmart or whatever. You probably have some piece of art on your wall, so you've thought about it a little bit, right? Um, I have a friend, a really dear friend of mine, and she is always saying, I'm just not good at decorating, and you know she'll ask other people for advice. You know who you are. You're listening to this, and she's she's wrong because when I go into her house, it's just it's warm and inviting. I actually, she always complains that she's not great at picking up or she's not a great you know at keeping her house clean. But her house always looks just really loved and lived in. Can we say loved in and lived in? And that's how it looks to me. And she always has these wicker, these um, these wooden wick candles burning, and they smell so good, and they offer that little crackle of the wick while they burn. And I just love being in her space. I think it's so sweet and cheerful. Partly, yes, because of the people that live there, absolutely. But she actually has put more thought into her space than she, than she gives herself credit for. If you're feeling stuck with the interior of your home, here are some easy things to do. Rearrange your desk. Rearrange your dresser. I love to rearrange my dresser every now and then. I just get sick of how it's laid out. Your mantle. If you have a mantle above your fireplace, one of my favorite things to do in the world is to rearrange my mantle every season. I'll switch out some pictures, I'll put up a new candle, or I'll move a print. I call it shopping my house. I'll take something from upstairs and pull it down and take the thing from downstairs and take it upstairs, and I'll kind of challenge myself to see how different I can make the mantle look by not really buying anything at all. So that and, that, and it leaves such a huge impression. It's one of the first things you see when you come into my tiny little house. And um, when the mantle is done in a lovely way, I think it kind of helps set the mood for the rest of the house. And let me tell you something. We live in an old house in the middle of Memphis, and it is small. And most of our furniture, maybe all, 
maybe all of our furniture at this point, except for the girls' bunk beds, is is secondhand or it's it's hand me down. It's been given to us. Um, the couch we actually did buy new several years ago, but we've had two kids since then, and it needs some love. It probably needs to be tossed. And I feel like I'm often trying to like cover imperfections, but um, if you can find a focal point in your room and make it new and fresh every couple of weeks, it will almost trick you, and certainly trick your guest, into thinking that there's something really new and fun going on here. So take just a shelf. I mean, it doesn't have to be a whole room. Just take a shelf and focus your energy on it. And if you have 20 minutes, focus 20 minutes on it. It will give you a breath of fresh air to have something changed up, even on a shelf or on a mantle. It's as simple as putting some flowers in a vase. Rearrange a bookshelf. You know, if you're in and out of your bookshelves all the time, the books, they just, they get messy. I mean, they get all topsy-turvy and some are horizontal and some are vertical and then some are stuffed under, (laughs) like at my house, or stuffed on top. Just take half an hour if that's what it takes and call those books. Figure out the ones you can give away because they're so good and you want them to enrich other people's lives, the ones that you have to hang on to and the ones that just need to go to goodwill. And uh, straighten up your bookshelf. Just straighten your bookshelf. That's all it takes. That's being creative. I promise. You will find a way to arrange your books in a lovely new way. Throw a pretty piece of um, uh, pottery on there somewhere or a a frame or find a place for a little vase of dried flowers to go that will keep and you don't have to keep changing them out with new water and that kind of thing. Be creative in rearranging your bookshelf. Um, I... I love seasons. I love them. I like to read seasonally. And um, as I said, I like to change out my mantle seasonally, which sounds so, it sounds so um, petty, but it's something I really, really love to do. So if you're stuck and you're not sure what to do, look at the calendar. And for me, I really love to think about the church calendar. There is something there. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs and details, and may, I would love to have someone on here who does, but there are actually different colors that correlate to the church calendar for every season, and some of them make a lot of good sense. There are things that we already are going to decorate with at certain times of the year, around Easter or Christmas, but um, there are colors and, and ways that we can remember the church calendar in our homes through colors all year long. And that would be such a fun place to start if you don't know what to do or you don't want to do a traditional um, seasonal mantle. Look at the church calendar. I have always loved how God gives us just a natural cycle of new moments through the calendar. He never leaves us in a place where we're stuck. He always has something new on the horizon for us. And um, it's just, it's always moving forward. And I think that's just so merciful of him because he knows that we need something fresh and new. And so go to the church calendar if you're stuck and if you don't know what to do. There's something there for you. Um, art. So I think last Sunday it was raining and I'm just so sick of screens. We have been in isolation for over a month now, and you just get tired of you get tired of the screens. You get tired of your phone always losing its charge these days because you're on it so much more. And um, the girls, you know, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile with a pad. And so we just pulled out some watercolor, and all four of us, mama, daddy, and two baby girls, sat down at the table. And I'll be the first to tell you, my watercolor was pretty much on par with my second grader's watercolor, and she, I don't think, is like terribly gifted at art. 
And so, at least not this point in her life. And But it didn't matter. It was just fun. And we just played some Mozart and did some watercolor. No expectations. Take a moment and pull out your watercolor. Sketch sketch a sermon. If you are listening uh, either to your church sermon in your home these days, um, or once again when we gather for worship, you know, for since time immemorial, it's been the trick, right, when you're in church to get your kid to be quiet and also pay attention is you give them something, something to sketch on so that they can kind of sketch what they're hearing from the sermon and to tell you about it later afterwards. Do it yourself. Just sketch out what you are seeing in your mind's eye as you hear the sermon or as these words of God are being spoken over you. Sketch it out. No one ever has to see it, but it will be so therapeutic for you. If you're great at doodling or if you've been hand lettering, um, write a note. Write a note to your neighbor. Write a note to your roommate. Uh, write a note to your child and leave it in a place where it'll surprise them and they wouldn't have expected it. Uh, leave a note to your spouse. If you're packing a lunch for somebody, doodle it. Doodle something beautiful on their sack or throw it into their uh, Ziploc baggie with their sandwich. Find a way to doodle on your calendar or on your day planner where you'll see it often. Uh, find a way to... Um, to use that that passion for drawing in just an everyday way where it will be appreciated by somebody somewhere else or just even by you. That's okay too. It is perfectly noble to make yourself something beautiful, something that will remind you of, um, of what you love and who gave you that talent and uh, something that will inspire you day after day. So draw. Don't repress that passion if that's what that's what it is for you. During this time, we've certainly, as a family, learned a lot about filmmaking. We have had to make videos for church services. We've made uh, videos for our um, our classical conversations co-op that we're a part of, um, and that has become its own art form here in my household. I mean, we film a couple of times a week for something. And it's honestly become pretty enjoyable when it's not terribly stressful. Um, we are teaching our oldest daughter how to do some um, um, stop motion. And she has really enjoyed that. And there are apps that you can find to help you figure that out. Um, teach yourself how to edit. Teach yourself how to do sound design on your computer, especially if it's something that you're going to use often for your career, just invest a little bit of time into it. And um, that's a wonderful way to nurture your creativity because not only are you learning and you're being more creative in the process, but you're helping yourself, uh, your creative self in the future. Cooking and baking. Oh my goodness. I'm not a good cook. <clears throat> I'm, I'm okay. I'm not great. Um, partly because I just don't love it so much. My husband loves to cook and it's 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 very honestly very therapeutic for him. He really enjoys putting his work aside, leaving it upstairs and coming downstairs and cooking a great meal and he doesn't need a recipe. He never uses a recipe. He's very good at just adding flavors and ingredients and make something making something beautiful out of it. Um, I will cook and I can cook, but um, it just doesn't give me life like that at all. But you know what does? Baking. I love to bake. And I I don't know if it's the precision of it that I enjoy so much, but, or no, it's probably not. It's 
quite frankly, it's the sugar. I love sugar (laughs) and I love dessert. And there's just something I love about baking. And maybe partly too, it's so easy to share baked goods. You know, if you're going to cook for somebody, you're going to typically cook them a whole meal. And that's, you know, kind of laborious and might not travel easily. But you can bake a, a batch of cookies or a loaf of bread and share that so easily and instantly with somebody. And so I love that part of it too. And I'll tell you, I definitely stress bake. I definitely stress bake. And part of the reward from that is licking the batter bowl because when you bake it, you get to lick the batter bowl, right? But um, I, there's something about it that just makes me breathe easier. And I think it just has become a creative outlet for me in a way. So nurture that side of yourself. If you love to bake, that is you being creative. It is. If you love to put together a beautiful charcuterie board, oh, you have seen charcuterie boards in magazines or on Instagram, and you immediately recognize them as works of art. You know what I'm talking about. They are gorgeous. There are so many options. What are you going to put the food on? Is it going to be a beautiful wooden plank? Is it going to be marble? What are you going to use? Um, What kind of cheeses? What kind of fruits? What kind of breads or meats? How is it all going to look together? My in-laws, we have all of the siblings in... um, on the my husband's side of the family, we all love charcuterie boards. And one Christmas, we actually planned it out before cr- the Christmas vacation that we were going to have a charcuterie contest. And we had rules. We all went to the store. At the same time, we had a budget that we had to stay within. We had a time frame that we had to stay within. And we made three. Each couple made a charcuterie board. And um, they were anonymous. And we set them out. And then my mother and father-in-law got to judge the charcuterie board by like taste and appearance. And it was so much fun. And I mean, that is creativity, right? If you don't know what to cook or bake, but you're feeling a culinary creativity, start with a charcuterie board. Always, you cannot go wrong and talk about a great thing to share. Um, Throw together a picnic. Make it a beautiful picnic. It can be turkey sandwiches on white bread. It doesn't matter. Make it lovely. Pack up a beautiful blanket. Put it in a pretty basket that you have or or some other container that wouldn't be expected for a picnic and surprise somebody with it. Surprise the children in your life with a picnic. There's really nothing better than that. Children love to eat outside and they don't care what they're eating. They could be eating cheese puffs. They'd probably rather eat cheese puffs than a charcuterie board. Just pack it up in a pretty way. Put some pretty napkins in there that they don't usually get to use or some lemonade, something special that they don't usually get to drink for lunch, and you are being creative and gifting them with that experience. Uh, Devote yourself to a really long, complex dish that you've always wanted to make. This would be your bouffe bourguignon. This would be something that you've always thought, I really want to master that. I want to start with a, a sourdough starter and see it through to the end. Take the time. Invest that time. That is pure creativity right there. Even when you're baking and you're following the directions, doing them with excellence, investing your time and your passion into it, that is a a tremendous work of creativity. See, these are things that you've probably already done or you're doing and you're not recognizing as as creative feats in your life. Um, Read alouds. You know I love to read. I love a good book. Try reading aloud to your children in a new way. 
So put a little bit of um, put a little bit of drama in the way you read to your kids, and you may already do this, and you don't even realize that you're acting. <laughs> you're you're giving each character its own voice. You're taking the time to read slowly so that they are able to paint in their minds what is happening in the story, which is so beautiful because you're being creative and they're being creative. In fact, you can sit and listen to somebody read and it can be creative for you. Isn't that brilliant? You can be sitting there in your car listening to an audiobook of Rebecca. If you've never read Rebecca, you should. It's a wonderful novel. And I mentioned this particular novel because I remember... I don't know if it was middle, I guess it was probably middle school. My mother and I listened to Rebecca on, um, on tape in the car. And the, the mental images I still have of that novel from hearing it read aloud to me are just so vivid. I, I'm, there, it's still there. That world is still in my mind. And that, that was creative processing for me. So read aloud to someone or be read aloud to and let your imagination wander. You can read scripture aloud. Um, this is something that I have a real passion for is um, reading the word so that it, it really does feel alive to the listener, that it doesn't feel like we're so often we just trip over the words of scripture like they're dead, like they're just the oldest, most archaic, meaningless book Um ancient text that's not relatable, or or you'll hear it read sometimes by pastors, and they'll just read it so quickly as if, well, you know this, you've heard this before, you and I have both heard this before, I'm just going to read it because I'm supposed to. Oh, and it's, you know, it's the living, breathing Word of God. I could go on about that for a long time. So you can practice reading Scripture with emphasis, and practice it on your own. Read it out loud to yourself so that it becomes more alive in you. Read it to your children with um, emphasis and passion. Read it to your spouse. Read it to your Sunday school or your small group study next time you're asked to read something out loud. Really put yourself into it. Um, Of course, you would never want to over-dramatize so that all of the attention was on yourself and the performance, but um, I often find that if I can just mutter a prayer right before I read it, and ask that God would take any focus off of me, that that usually helps me and relieves the burden of that, of that being the case. You can also record yourself. Record yourself reading scripture or um, a devotion or maybe um, a, a, a story or, or a few stories from a, a child's Bible um, or just a great children's storybook. Record yourself reading those and send them to your nieces or your nephews or your baby cousins or just keep them in an archive for your own children or for their children one day. Uh, so you can practice and, and put your voice um, on a recording so that it's preserved or sent away to benefit somebody else. I love that idea so much. Or you can post it online so that other people can listen to you. I've heard recently about um, uh, a Christian personality. Um, she has her own podcast and writes lots of books, but... Uh, she doesn't have children of her own, but she loves kids. And during isolation, during COVID-19, a few nights out of the week, she would get on Instagram Live and read a children's story. And for about 
15 minutes. And she said, you can plop your kids down here and I'll read to them while you cook dinner. She would do it at like 5 or 5.30 every day. And I love that idea. And I mean, that's going to be useful from here on out. So if that's a great way to practice for you, do that. I love that idea. Okay, clothing. We're all creative just about every day with what we wear. Maybe not so much in quarantine, (laughs) but when we're out and about in public, you think about what you wear. So if you're feeling like you're in a slump and you can't be creative with what you wear, add something that pops color to you. Throw on hot pink. Throw on hot pink lipstick if you don't have a hot pink scarf. Throw on a bright blue, something that will cheer you up, cheer other people up. One of my favorite things that I've ever done uh, with clothing, um, I love to shop. I really love to shop. The older I get, the more I love to shop. But one year, um, and it happened to be (laughs) the summer my husband lost his job a few summers ago, I decided that every piece of clothing that I bought for 12 months was going to be secondhand. I was not going to buy anything new for an entire year for myself to wear. And it was one of the most fun years of shopping (laughs) I ever had. I don't usually think about years in terms of how fun they were to shop, but that really stands out because I went to Salvation Army, I went to um, Junior League, Goodwill, and I, I shopped online. There are some great online consignments that you can go to. And I took so much more creativity than it typically does to buy clothes for myself, but I've really enjoyed it, and I think I saved some money. I may not have because I, I did buy a lot because <laughs> it was all much cheaper than normal. But um, that was such a fun challenge for me, and it really, it really um, pressed me to my limit to some degree. I think if I wanted something, I just couldn't be too specific about what I was looking for. I just had to go and see what was there, and um, I did this with two little kids. And I know it's hard to thrift with small children, Um, but somehow I managed to do it between between going with the kids and and shopping online with online consignment. So that's always a fun thing to challenge yourself with, I think. Another good way to be creative is um, to work in your yard, to garden. And I'm not sure that people always recognize this in themselves as being creative, but oh, it is such creativity. You're actually nurturing new life. Um, I love, my, my mom and dad uh, started a big garden last year where they, they grew vegetables. And it, I mean, it wasn't massive plot, but they just grew a ton of stuff and actually a relatively small space. But they have a couple of acres of land and my mom had always really wanted to invest some time into a garden. And... Um, So what she did is early in the season, she uh, drew out a map of their backyard and they have like a chicken coop and, you know, they have some landmarks shed in their back, um, in their back lawn. And she sketched it out and she made several copies of it, of that, of that sketch. And then she would go outside at different times of the day and she would record on the sketch where the sun fell during different times of the day. So she'd have a great idea of where to create a plot for the garden. And it took her a few days to do this. I mean, she would go out every few hours and actually sketch where the shade was and where the sun fell during certain hours. And she found the perfect plot for their garden. And I just 
loved the root of her creativity in that. I mean, it started before she had bought one bag of soil. She went out there with his, her handmade sketch and figured out where the sun was going to fall. That takes such thought and uh, an investment of time and passion. And uh, it, it actually taught me a lot, the fact that she did that. I just loved it. And her garden was so successful because of the care that she took. And it was creative from the moment she thought of, that she was going to do it. She started plotting towards it. And um, my father-in-law is, oh, he's, he has beautiful yards every season because um, he knows so much about plants and, and where to put them and what not to put down and how long to wait for something to bloom before you just rip it up and what goes where and how the colors look together. And so um, I think it's just really inspiring to see someone who's great at gardening. And um, one of my friends who says that she's not super creative has actually become quite a gardener in the last couple of years. And um, she produces these delicious cucumbers. And she doesn't even like cucumbers. So she, I think she's really planting them for her friends and their children at this point. When we go over to her house in the summer, she will help us. She'll let us harvest cucumbers and she'll serve them to us with salt. And I just love that. That is her, the fruition of her creativity for our community. And I love that. I just love that. It's such an easy, but not easy. It's not easy to garden. Um, but it's something that you might be doing already and you're not even appreciating how creative you're being in the process of that. I love it. And the last one that I have, teaching. Oh my, another one of my dear friends who doesn't um, identify as a creative is a marvelous teacher. And she takes such care to prepare lesson plans and... Um, and to think of how to engage students. And, and actually, that uh, tendency professionally for her carries over with her children in such an amazing way. And not just her children, but the other children in our community. She's always uh, the first mom to think of a fun project for all of our children to do together. And she'll supply everything we need for that project. And um, I just, I love that about her teaching. There are so many women who spend so many hours um, during the average day teaching, formally or informally, whether they are in the public school system, private, or at home. And so many of those women are the women that feel burnt out and feel like they don't have anything to offer after school hours are over. Um, they don't have the time or they, they don't have the talent. And... Um, Oh, I just want to encourage you that teaching is it is such an act of creativity to think about how to love children well, how to teach them well, how to get the lessons that you teach them to really stick in their hearts and their minds forever. And, um, and it's such a gift. Everybody needs a wonderful teacher at every stage of their life. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you and you're tired and um, you're questioning your life decisions, and being with children is difficult, and being with their parents is even more difficult sometimes, and and dealing with the paperwork or the the politics or the red tape or um, or maybe just the burnout at being at home and homeschooling your children and being with them. 
24-7, if that makes you feel burnt out and makes you feel like there's no air left in your lungs with which to be creative at the end of the day, you have done an incredible work of creativity all day long, day after day. And if that is what you need to hear to inspire you, then I hope you receive that. We are all capable of creativity every single day. So don't ever let yourself feel like a little sea creative. Oh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Scatterbook Podcast. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it's reminded you of some truth and some goodness and some beauty. Have a great one. Until next time. Bye.